The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? How are you now? I'm trying to watch uh, Canada in some World Cup qualifying action against Mexico right now in the city of Edmonton. Trying to see if Canada can actually make the World Cup in soccer. That would be something, wouldn't it? Anyways, I'm not really here to talk about that, am I now? I'm here to talk about your Montreal Canadiens losing again. This time by a score of 3-2 to to the New York Rangers. Hello and welcome to episode uh, 18 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast, presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and uh, I'm not nearly as pissed off as I was after last game. I mean, this was overall, I think, a a better effort, at the very least. Um, I mean, not perfect (laughs) by any stretch of the term, but uh, let's get into it. What happened? So... Game starts out, uh, Habs are having a pretty decent first period. You know, I don't know what it is with this team, but they seem to have pretty decent first periods. They follow it up with uh, terrible second and third periods. But anyways, pretty decent first period. The problem with that first period is like every time that the New York Rangers had a scoring chance, it was like an A-plus, you know, high-quality, high-danger scoring chance. Uh, Lots of them. Luckily... Caden Primo playing his first uh, Montreal Canadiens, first NHL action of this season, looking fantastic, uh, looking very good. Uh, more on him later. He's standing tall, but there's absolutely nothing he can do uh, when he makes a save and then Artemi Panarin gets into the corner and like the Habs are kind of completely disjointed on defense and Artemi Panarin, we know he can dish the puck pretty damn well. He finds Capo Caco, who puts it in, makes it one nothing, uh, And that is how the first period would end. Second period uh, doesn't start great, uh, but the Habs, they get back into it. So Brennan Gallagher uh, engaged in a pretty hearty battle in behind the net. He loses it, gets back out, and goes back into the the corner there, like in behind the net. Gallagher battles for it again, uh, throws a pass over to Christian Dvorak, coming out the other side from behind the net. He surprises Igor Shosturkin and makes it 1-1, tying the game, a game that was being handily dominated in the scoring chance category by the New York Rangers, but... There they are, the Montreal Canadiens getting back into it. We're feeling pretty good. We're feeling like maybe maybe there's a win here to be had. But not very long after, uh, Mika Zibanejad cuts in on the right side of the ice and throws it across to Chris Kreider, who puts it in. His 12th goal of the season, apparently. Oh, how I would love to have a, a 12-goal scorer right now in the Montreal Canadiens. They, they might not be in the basement of the Eastern Conference. Uh, but anyways... On the whole, the second period was actually better than the first for the Habs in terms of scoring chances. Uh, they didn't get, you know, run over nearly as badly as they did in the first period. So, uh, honestly, go down 2-1 to one at the end of the period, not that bad. Not that bad. But, of course, you know, less than two minutes into the third period, uh, it, uh, it gets worse. 
Julien Gauthier steals the puck in the slot, backhands it past Caden Primo, makes it 3-1. to one. Uh, Of course, a Québécois had to score against the Montreal Canadiens if it's not going to be Alexis Lafreniere. Might as well be Julien Gauthier or uh, insert any other French name on the other team. Uh, you got to expect the Québécois is going to do something against us, right? And guess what? Didn't really matter. Like 20 seconds later, Christian Dvorak takes a shot. Josh Anderson bangs the rebound right up. Roof daddy makes it 3-2. to two. Makes you feel like, oh, you know what? With the way the second period went and uh, with the way things are going so far in this period, you know, immediate goal, get it back. Uh, maybe they can pull something off here. Habs eventually pull their goaltender. Uh, nothing doing. Uh, it ends basically because of Brendan Gallagher taking what I think is going to end up being a suspension for him. Um, the Habs pulled their goalie. Obviously, they're trying to get the extra attacker and they're trying to get the one goal back and tie things up at three. And I think there's about 30 seconds to go. Face off in the neutral zone. Uh, you see Gallagher and Barclay Goodrow are, are jawing at each other. They showed it. They zoomed right in on their faces uh, for him and Goodrow. And I thought they were going to fight uh, because it seemed like, you know, things were getting pretty heated. Uh, but what actually happened was they got tied up and Goodrow seemed to kind of trip Gallagher a little bit. Not really. I don't know. I don't think it was really a tripping penalty anyways, but close to it. And then Gallagher stood up and sucker punched him in the face, um, which not a good look. Uh, he definitely got penalized for it, and I think he's going to get suspended. I also I need to mention uh, quite clearly the reaction by Barclay Goodrow was a, a, a brutally exaggerated, um, Oscar-worthy performance. He went down in a heap like he got shot. I don't know if any of you have ever been punched in the mouth by somebody who's wearing a hockey glove it's it sucks but it's not that bad you don't go down like that if anything normally it would just piss you off and and make you want to drop your gloves and, and fight the guy with no gloves on so that you could actually hurt him um and also there was a shot of Goodrow actually like looking over his shoulder to see if the ref called it so it's like you were fine why are you going down like that but I still think you know with the way this league hand, hands out discipline I can see them calling that a suspension uh, just because of the nature of the punch because it was a sucker punch right he kind of turned around and cold clocked him um, so I think that is going to get him a suspension uh, you know debate away uh, listen I don't necessarily think it should be suspended but I, I think it will just because of the way that the NHL hands out discipline I don't know anyways game ends uh, Josh Anderson fought Jacob Truba too at the end of the game. If that interests anybody, I don't know why, but uh, game ends three to two. New York Rangers they win. Habs lose again. Uh, what what did we learn? Did we learn anything? Well, we learned that Michael Pizzetta should absolutely not be trying to fight Ryan Reeves. Um, they fought and it didn't go very well for for Pizzetta. Uh, Reeves after that fight was like celebrating it like he just won the heavyweight championship. I mean. I don't know why you're that excited about beating somebody that you probably outweigh by about 30 pounds. Um, I actually checked NHL.com to see what the league has them weighed in at. And realistically, I should mention that the NHL only has them about 15 pounds apart. Uh, I don't buy that because I saw them standing beside each other. Um, they have Ryan Reeves listed at 225 pounds. I weigh 225 pounds and I'm six feet tall. And... I really think that Ryan Reeves weighs more than that. I think he's probably closer to 240. Uh, but whatever, NHL, do you. Leave whatever you want on your... Uh... Whoa! Canada just scored. Canada just scored. We're up one nothing on Mexico. All right, boys. 
maybe I'll change this this podcast into a soccer podcast now. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't know that much about it other than you know what my friends tell me. I have friends who are a lot more knowledgeable than I am on this particular sport. Uh, back to the hockey. Yeah, Ryan Reeves much bigger than Michael Pizzetta. I don't know why he was that happy about beating him in a fight. Um, what I also noticed in this particular game that's quite concerning to me, honestly. Uh, I don't want to get into fire anybody rant on this episode. You all know what I think. You know what I talked about last episode. I've talked about it a few different episodes already. But I do want to say that I'm a little bit concerned about Jeff Petrie. On the second Rangers goal, <coughs> the one scored by um, Chris Kreider, Petrie kind of got lost. I mean, uh, to be fair, that was a broken play where the Habs, they went on way too far of an aggressive forecheck. And it was basically like a four. It was almost a four on two. But Suzuki got back. Nick Suzuki got back in coverage, and Jeff Petrie was kind of just in no man's land in the middle of the ice. He didn't go off to the far side and take Kreider. He didn't step up and try to take anybody else up high in the zone. Um, Realistically, he should have been going over to Kreider because that was the real dangerous guy coming in, and he didn't. He just kind of went on a leisurely skate, and I don't think he's looked like himself at all this season. I think he's playing hurt. Uh, I've seen people talking about it where there's been people that have said they've saw him out and he looked like he was having trouble walking. Um, I don't know if any of that's true. I don't know if that was just a one-off. And the team hasn't said anything about it. So they're not admitting if he is playing hurt, they either don't know or they're not telling us. Uh, If he is playing hurt, if, if I'm right about that, and I'm not the only one who thinks it, so if people are right about that, uh, they have to shut him down. Because this this current season is not worth risking it at all. So I really hope that's not the case. Um, If it is, absolutely, they have to shut him down as soon as humanly possible. It's not worth it. Don't risk injury. Um, I don't know what else to say about that. I did like that Christian Dvorak got involved, finally, with a two-point night. You know, he's been pointless for a little while, and now he gets a two-point night. That's your silver lining of the night right there. Christian Dvorak getting involved a little bit. Uh, if he can wake up and you know start playing a little bit more towards what we were hoping we would get when we traded for him, I think this could be a good sign for the team. I mean, I don't think this team is making the playoffs this year. I think that ship has sailed, right? Um, but if he can kind of find his game a little bit more with the Montreal Canadiens, I mean, it could be big for them next year, right? Uh, I think that's really what we got to look at right now is who can kind of take a step forward for this team? Who can who can improve their game a little bit so that they can be part of this team for next year? And then that tells you, you know, who you don't move at the deadline is when you look at somebody and you go, all right, this guy's part of our, our future. And Dvorak could be one of those players. He's still young. He's a centerman, um, pretty responsible defensively, can chip in a little bit offensively as well. So I think that's really what you're looking for uh, again. Who is going to be able to help us moving forward? That's why I was so pissed off about them uh, moving Ryan Paling away from center in the previous game. Because I think you really need to be, this, is, this needs to be a stage of evaluating right now. Now on that note, uh, I, I do want to mention, because I feel like a lot of people are misunderstanding when I, when I do my firing rants, people tend to respond to me with, well, why would you fire anybody? It's, going to, it's not going to change anything for this particular season. Uh, I agree with you on that. I don't want to fire anybody because I think it's going to change things for this season and somehow magically put them in the playoffs. That's not it at all. I want to see people get fired because I don't want the people responsible for this 
to be using last year's magical playoff run as a crutch and somehow taking us into next year because I don't have faith in them, right? And I'd rather see them go now. I'd rather see new people installed ahead of time and give them more time uh, to come up with a plan and to come up with, you know, how are we going to fix this, right? Let them deal with the deadline, right? I don't want Marc Bergevin in, in charge of the deadline. I don't want him in charge of moving people out. I want somebody else to be making those evaluations that I'm talking about, figuring out who's important, um, who's expendable, and who needs a second chance, right? And then, obviously, when the deadline comes, they're going to be sellers, right? I, I firmly believe that. I'm not trying to say let's salvage this season by hiring a new coach or hiring a new general manager at all. I'm trying to say let's bring in the new blood now because I think it's better to do it now than it is to do it you know, at the end of the year after the deadline and everything and then have somebody else try to come in and clean up with whatever they've done. So last thing I want to talk about, uh, it's a bonus silver lining. It's a second silver lining in one game. I know, crazy, super negative Matt coming up with two silver linings out of one game, and it is Caden Primo. I was quite impressed with Caden Primo in that game. Uh, we were talking about it in the Eyes on the Prize chat, and just in the very first period when he was making some saves, when the, the Rangers, I think, in that period, if I quickly go over, I think I have the page still open for natural stat trick. Uh, I do, and the Rangers had 66.67% of the high-danger chances in the first period. They had six high-danger scoring chances. And uh, Caden Primo, he was equal to the task. He, he looked great. We were comparing him kind of to what Samuel Montembeau was doing in the previous game and noticed that, you know, Montembeau, he's like sliding around a lot. As pucks are coming to him, he's moving. <coughs> You're not seeing that with Caden Primo. Caden Primo, he's square to the puck. When he wants to go down in his butterfly, he's down in his putter butterfly by the time the puck get, gets there. He's not sliding around as much. He looks very composed in the net. He looks very calm. Um, I don't want to say this, but, you know, a little bit Price-esque at least in terms of the calmness. Uh, I don't know if he's got the same abilities as Carey Price overall. He's still very young, uh, but I really liked it. I, I really liked his game. Um, I, think that's, uh, I think that's his net until Jake Allen gets back uh, or until Carey Price gets back. I mean, I think Price is probably the longer out of the two. Uh, I think he needs to take care of himself before he even thinks about coming back. But I, I honestly think if I look what he did versus what uh, I saw from Montembeau, I think this is Caden Primo's net for right now. So, bonus silver lining. Really liked his game. I want to see more of it. Uh, again, we're in the evaluation stage at this point. So, uh, that's it for the podcast, though. We're running uh, over 14 minutes. Uh, somehow I managed to do 14 minutes in that game. So, grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Megaphone, uh, Google Play, Apple. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening, and à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.